1: Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rick Spence, business journalist, editor, public speaker, and entrepreneur. After 15 years as the national entrepreneurship columnist at the National Post, and as the former editor and publisher of Profit, the magazine for Canadian entrepreneurs, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, scalable, and successful. On this show, we connect you with Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. You'll meet the people driving the entrepreneurial movement and we'll share their first-person adventures and their tips, hacks, and best advice for running startup and growth companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. To entrepreneurs everywhere, this is your show. Ladies and gentlemen, entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're thrilled to have Bruce Poon Tip of G Adventures in Toronto. Passionate about the power of travel to change the world for the better, Bruce Poon is a global leader in social entrepreneurship, leadership, immersive travel, and innovation. He's best known as the founder of G Adventures, the world's largest small group adventure travel company and a pioneer of community tourism. Bruce's first book, Loop Tale, How One Company Changed the World by Reinventing Business, became a New York Times bestseller. In 2018, Bruce was honored as one of Canada's most admired CEOs in the category of social entrepreneurship. And in 2019, he cracked the top 10 on Glassdoor's list of top CEOs in Canada. And in 2020, he was honored as one of Fast Company's most creative people in business. Welcome to the show, Bruce. What can I say?
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me, Rick. Great to be here.
1: Before we get started, I should mention that Bruce and I go a long way back. Um, he 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 made it onto the Profit Magazine list of Canada's fastest growing companies. Probably twenty. No, it was more than that. Yeah, twenty five years ago,
0: nineteen ninety six. Rick, we're not getting any younger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so here I'm, we are. Here we are on Startup Canada it's, back from nineteen ninety six. that shows how great we really are. <laughs> I I, I was actually thinking back to
1: when I, the first time that you came into my life, we had already closed off the balloting for the the Profit 100 project, the fastest growing companies project. And the list was developing. And the top of the list was all tech companies that we didn't really understand. And we said, this is good, but it's just not very interesting. And then... Over the fax machine, yes, this was the nineties, five days after the deadline comes <laughs> I don't this,
0: know if I know this story, <laughs> but I'm but I'm loving it.
1: <laughs> comes this entry from a company called The Great Adventure People, which is what the company was called then, in Toronto doing adventure travel with some incredible growth rate it was probably 8000% over 5 years or something that yeah. put it in that automatically put it into the top 5 of our list and you yeah. cannot and, and Bruce you cannot imagine how delighted we were to have a company <laughs> that we
0: could understand <laughs> and that was wow. so
1: interesting so creative and so much fun
0: cracking the list What? Wow. I don't know if I've I've heard that story, but, you know, I need, you know, we were having a great sales week, I guess. I needed that extra week sales to add to my percentage. I think I I don't know why I was five days late.
1: I think somebody (laughs) said, you know, well, it's, we're past the deadline and I just gave them the cold stare of death. (laughs) Are you kidding? We will move heaven and earth to get this company in our list Uh, because it, because you represented what, Um, I thought was important about business was innovation was creativity was was taking an old industry and making it new again and that's so exciting
0: well just to add to that um, because we didn't we didn't um, come here to talk about 1996 but uh, if you read my if you got a chance to read my book I mentioned that exact year and that award because it really was a turning point for us as a business when we got taken seriously as a Re, you know, as a, as a startup and, you know, as you're kind of growing your business, you're always looking for those moments, those moments where you pivot into, you know, the respect and being a real business. And I, I actually mentioned that in my book in Loop tale about that, getting that award from um, Profit and being recognized as one of the fast growing companies in the Canada and how it was, um, you know, quite a turning point. Little did I know, 25 years later, we'd still have double digit growth and continue to grow and be a startup, you know, 30 years later or, or after 25 years later still and still having that startup mentality are you still having fun yeah yeah i'm having a ton of fun i mean i could be having more if there wasn't um pandemics hanging around but (laughs) um pandemics kind of are a bit of a downer for the travel industry but in general yes uh, yeah I'm, i'm loving what i do
1: that's that's great so tell me a little bit about what makes g adventures different from other travel companies for those who haven't heard of you or haven't been on one of your trips
0: well, I mean we, I mean there's 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 when we started and now. I mean now we're the global leader. Yeah, we're the global leader in the space. We're the largest in, you know, in the world. We have operations over 100 countries and that alone gives us our own, you know, we're the pioneer and founders of our space and we're seen as the leader in the space. So that alone differentiates us because we are one of the leaders in kind of research and development in terms of launching new types of products, new ways for people to travel, new partnerships. Um, and so, you know, th- that makes us different. But our the big differentiator for sure is our sustainable development side of our business, um, our social enterprise side of our business, the foundation work we do. We create com- community development projects around the world that intersect with tourism, creating, you know, jobs and poverty alleviation. When while people go on travel, so we promise when people take our trips, they, you know, they create wealth distribution by money going into local economies. So that sustainable, responsible, social enterprise side, we're also world leaders in and get a lot of attention for, and that really, really differentiates us from anybody else.
1: Bruce, G Adventures was pretty successful pretty early on, changing the way that travel was packaged. How has the industry responded to you? I understand, you know, lots of companies tried to duplicate what you did. Um, how has the market changed?
0: Well, the, the market's changed significantly, um, you know, especially over the last 10 years with social. And I think travelers are changing in terms of wanting things to be more sustainable and responsible with with all of their purchases and, and travelers, you know, fits into that same category. Um, but I mean, in, in our individual space, I mean, no one's been able to do it at the scale that we have and, and the global scale. We certainly have a lot more um you know little competitors or boutique competitors but no one that's been able to do it at our scale on a global basis and you know when we first started we didn't have competitors because we created our space we created the industry but today you know everyone's doing something everyone has kind of some sustainable angle or retrofitting their businesses to be more responsible with different csr programs so you know we we do something everything so it's it's really integrated into our model it's integrated in every decision we make as a business you know, we've really defined ourselves a social enterprise, as a social enterprise very early on, um, even before it was a thing. So, you know, people have, you know, we do see competitors, but no one does it as deeply as us and as complete as us and at the scale as us. Let's just say that. And so, you know, we managed to keep our edge. I'm, I'm you know, I'm sure we'll continue to have people, tr- you know, try to do what we do or try to do it um, a little bigger. But, you know, ha- being seen as the pioneers of our space on a global basis was always, you know, it's, it's it gives us an advantage, and it's and and it, and even though we have some smaller competitors, we've never had anyone that we really, we truly worry about.
1: I remember one time when we had lunch together, you were telling me that some company or some big tour company or other had just tried to buy you, and the mm-hmm. the, the the phone was virtually always ringing. Yeah, um, has that does that continue on?
0: Oh yeah, uh, every single day. Three times today, actually, when you when you actually mention it, uh, like literally, and I'm not, I'm not joking. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, other companies that want to invest or companies that want to buy into our space or, you know, get involved. I mean, I don't think I've in 30 years, I've ever returned a, um, a message. Um, (laughs) not a single one. I don't think I've ever returned an email or a message, uh, when they came in by fax or when they came in by email or LinkedIn, it's evolved how they tried to get to me. But, um, uh i don't think i've ever replied to one but i get them every day right yeah
1: tell me what what would you consider to be so that people get an idea of the sort of trips you're taking what's the ideal trip for a rookie who doesn't quite want to entirely rough it and what's like the coolest adventure that you that, that, that that you'd like to take that that g adventures offers
0: Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of what we call gateway destinations that, you know, for people to get uh, a feel for what we do, like Costa Rica, uh, you go to Thailand. Um, These are Morocco. These are great, beautiful destinations where you can have amazing experiences. They're not too crazy Uh, um, and, you know, and they're good intros into, you know, adventure holidays and act, you know, having an active holiday. some of our destin our trips today aren't really that active. We have uh, eleven brands of tours now, and some of them are, you know, uh, more adventurous by destination, meaning that you know just being in Mongolia is an adventure, and you don't need to uh, activities on top of it to make the adventure. And we have a lot of local living type programs and and different things like that. And you know, the the trips that that I like that we do are you know into more remote spaces like Galapagos Islands, Antarctica. We have ships in Antarctica, or Um, you know, Tibet, and um, destinations that link to spirituality. Um, So, you know, depending on what stage you are in your life, when you want to travel, you know, we have something for everyone.
1: Do you have any dangerous tours?
0: Um, Not dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) dangerous. That's a big word. But we do active. We have a whole series of active tours that are very, and we do some that are very active, where you can, you know, climb Kilimanjaro or Everest Base Camp and, you know, the Inca Trail, which goes to some Fairly high altitudes trekking to Machu Picchu, so um, there's active tours. Um, We have biking tours that are, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't classify them dangerous. We don't have a brand style called dangerous. Let's just say that.
1: Okay. Uh When when I think of adventure travel, I think of you know the Jumanji movie or something. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
0: Well, no. So 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 it's so Jumanji movie type things. No.
1: And and some of them are for families, right? Some of the tours that you do.
0: Yeah. yeah, we have actually a partnership with National Geographic, and launched a whole range of National Geographic family trips last year, which are very have been very successful. So we have we have things for everyone. I mean, we were uh, like with any you know good business, we we actually looked at the data one day and realized that our our passengers disappear from the age of like thirty to forty five, and when we started doing research, we realized that our passengers were having kids. So we um, <laughs> remedied that by putting out the family adventures, so we can keep people for you know for the life. Of their travel cycle, their 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 travel, you know, life lifestyle with us from from eighteen to thirty something, all the way to, you know, when they're sixty or seventy with our National Geographic journeys programs.
1: And do you have like fans like Disney? Do you know people who've been on twenty seven different trips with you?
0: Oh God, yeah. Uh, there's we have a we have well, we have a VIP group with people that have been over, I think, ten. And I know, I met a woman who just recently took 40 of our trips. I know a gentleman who recently, uh, uh, he's having health issues and wrote me a, uh, a letter, actually, and he's taken 35 tours with us. Um, but we have thousands of people that have taken over 10. Like our VIP list of people who have taken over, you know, five or 10 trips with us is in the, in the tens of thousands. Wow. wow. Mm-hmm.
1: Prior to COVID, How would we describe just how big G Adventures is? How many employees do you have? And and was the company really still growing double digit at 28 or whatever years old?
0: Um, Yes, Rick. As a matter of fact, (laughs) COVID hit us in March. December, January, and February prior prior to COVID, we were 38, 32, and 36% up from the previous months. Holy cow! <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Startup Canada numbers right there. After thirty <laughs> years of existence, we were crushing it before COVID. But let's 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 not go there. Let's keep it positive. Keep it real. Um, and yeah, so we so yeah, so we we continue to um, grow. I mean, and we and we have had double digit growth for all of these years. The the
1: travel industry hasn't exactly covered itself with glory. Certainly, the the airlines that haven't yet refunded some people for for flights. Mm-hmm. Um, what what was G's uh, G Adventures' philosophy when everything fell apart?
0: Yeah, I mean that's a that's a good question and a tough one. We were all in a situation, especially G Adventures, more so than other companies, where you know we people wanted refunds, and you know, and and depending on how people booked. Now the travel industry creates this circular economy, where you know when you decide you want to take a trip with us, we start spending money on the other side. And you might have booked with a travel agent, which you know sixty percent of people book with a travel agent to come through us, and the travel agent doesn't actually pay us till after you travel. So in, in some cases, so we're kind of extending credit. So the day as the day approaches that you're traveling, we're getting we're arranging your hotels. You know we're paying getting your you know licenses and entry park fees, museum tickets. Whatever it is that you are you know, setting up your tour, we're hiring buses, you know, the, the transportation, our, the guides and CEOs, all of that stuff is being paid for in advance for you um, getting there. So the idea that the world just suddenly shut down, um, you know, and you know, we hadn't even been paid in some cases by you know travel um, you know, travel agents or travel partners, wholesalers, you know, different way people who sell, you know, sell our programs. Um, and so customers want their money back, but we haven't been paid. We don't have that money. And, you know, being, you know, as well with, you know, people want to, we specialize in offering people very, you know, um, incredible experiences. And that has a lot to do with very small hotels, very small operators, very small family businesses, very small entrepreneurs that we pay, have micro loans, all kinds of programs to work with these small partners to develop these programs. And suddenly we can't get that money back. Um, to give refunds so we did what we could Um, it took a long long time I know that our customers weren't happy about it in a lot of cases you know we offered 110 percent travel credits to people and a majority a vast majority like 80 90% of people accepted that and were gonna travel with us and then it also changed because at the time it happened you know we thought the pandemic or the the shutdown was gonna last 30 days 60 days 90 days here we are nine months later and we still don't see, you know, we don't have an exact date of return. So even passengers that initially said, oh, yeah, we'll take the travel guys no worries, we'll just travel later in the year, which was a vast majority of people started changing their minds or some started changing their minds or, you know, and there was all kinds of individual cases we had to look at. So. We looked at each individual cases, we offered travel credits where we could, but we were all in the travel industry in a very, very difficult situation because, you know, airlines are very different because, you know, they, um, you know, they don't have partners. But when you're with a tour company, tour companies are spending money from the minute you leave a deposit. Um, And we're extending credit to your travel, you know, the the, the travel professional that you booked with. We're extending that credit. And so... You know, and in some cases now, some of those travel um, agents went bankrupt and then they want their money back. And we said, well, we were never paid. So it's, it is a bit of a mess. And I understand the concerns of the customer, whether it's right or wrong, that this circular economy that's created in the travel industry is to give people those kind of incredible experiences. They want, you know, funding and creating micro loans for, you know, businesses and creating that community development, you know, comes at a cost. And we did the best we can. Everyone will ultimately get their trips. Everyone will ultimately get their money. Um, but it will it just takes time. It just takes time to unwind all that.
1: Bruce, as we move into the year, what does the restart look like for G Adventures?
0: Well, right now, there's a lot of positive news and a lot of um, hope around the restart for the first time. You know, we were free-falling for, you know, for eight or nine months. And so for us now... Um, You know, there's going to be a short term, a midterm and a long term solution. I mean, immediately we have to we're we're adapting how we uh, run tours on the ground, listening to all kinds of different, you know, levels of government, international agencies, you know, protocols on social distancing and, you know, honoring, you know, just health guidelines. Uh, And that's the short term, reducing group sizes, you know, changing the way we do things, bigger transportation buses, people don't sit beside each other you know, honoring local social distancing, restaurants, all the look, uh, all the things locally that we have to do. Um, and then there'll be a midterm that we'll, you know, we're hoping by next summer we'll get, uh, you know, uh, more travelers interested, and we'll uh, be able to offer single rooms. We're actually looking at hotels, only booking the first three floors of hotels, so you don't have to take elevators. All these kind of innovative ways to get people comfortable. Um, but for, uh, but the greater industry is a bigger problem because I can do everything on the ground to make things safe for people, but. Ultimately, people have to get there by plane, and the uh, the plane is a contained um, experience where it's a contained, uh, lots of people in a contained environment, and I think we have to get people feeling safe about that, and I can't control, you know, how long, how fast it's going to take for the, tra- the, the airline industry to get planes back up in the air. Um, so that's the biggest challenge for us, because I can, we're ready on the ground. Like, Costa Rica opened on November 1st um, last year, and we start we we you know offered a few tours and they sold out in days and we ran all those tours we've we've actually run 60 tours since at the at the latter half of last year uh, people actually taking tours early adopters you know it's europe to europeans um you know we, we have americans that are interested in costa rica and destinations like that but we had run tours and you know we and we're ready to do it but we can't we can only go so far in our recovery and our startup as the airline industry will, can get people affordably, and the landscape of that industry is going to change significantly on the other side of this.
1: There's obviously a simple solution there, Bruce. Have you ever thought about starting an airline?
0: Uh, I for one second, and then I <laughs> slapped myself in the face and said, "No." There's been enough failed airlines between Trump Airlines, Roots Airlines, right, Virgin Airlines. There's been enough. Failures in airlines to know that uh, that's not an industry that I want to be in. Right?
1: Is I think they had the record for being the industry that
0: what cre-
1: destroyed the most value over the last forty years.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you if you look at this last pa- this last year, it's probably um, increased those numbers.
1: Well they found a new revenue source in government so <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'll see how, the, how how that goes.
0: Bruce, you were one
1: of the first Canadian entrepreneurs I knew who really focused on company culture mm-hmm. and and you wanted a company that that had certain values and operated a certain way and then you 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 know, turned things over and disrupted things to make it that way. And then you did it again a year later, and then you did it again a couple of years later. What is your philosophy of culture now at at, at G Adventures?
0: Well, it's stronger than ever, um, but it's it's challenged right now because we're all remote. Like we've all been uh, forced to be, you know, this working from home model, and we're just returning back to offices, but it's not going to be the same. Um, And I don't know if work in office is going to be the same and we've often built all of our culture on having these communities um, of of people and offices of people but even the the idea of how we recruit in the future is going to be very different you know if you think about it most businesses recruit within a you know a 50 kilometer radius of their office in terms of people working there but in this new world of remote working and the comfort we've we've all uh, found uh, working remotely suddenly the world is is your recruiting ground um and there's talent everywhere as opposed to you know you know quite often when we pick cities to open offices or or to have a head offices we're looking for talent that you can recruit talent in that city but if you actually now open the world and don't have restrictions to offices and locations or are flexible with those with those kind of model that that business model it changes everything i mean it changes everything for business but culture is a big part of our business. I mean, we have, we, what we do is, is incredible every day. And I, and I always remind people that, you know, someone in in Germany or, or Sweden or Norway or New Zealand books an African safari with a Canadian company every day. Um, That is, we're selling services. Um, And so, and not, but not only that, it's an extremely competitive industry where locally in any of those countries, they have a, you know, tens of thousands of other options, but why choose chose, choose this one company? So we've often said that our culture is a big part of our brand. And we started this philosophy way back in like 2006, um, that, you know, we wanted to relate to our customer on a uh, an, intrin- an intrinsic level, uh, and social media kind of just it, it really enhanced our ability to connect with customers. Um, but culture was a big part of that as a, as, as a service industry, someone who's exporting services. It's extraordinary that we could grow the size that we are by exporting, you know, travel services when there's so many local options. And today, only nine percent of our business is Canada. Like I've never met a company like ours in Canada that exports as much as we do. That that only nine percent of our business, and I I think Canada is now our fifth biggest market, and it's our home market.
1: Right. I think BlackBerry was like that, but that may or may not be a useful model. (laughs)
0: No, no, it was. <laughs> no! I won't. I won't follow that that playbook. So,
1: so, so, what have you done to try and keep that spirit going, the, the 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 G Adventures culture, at a time when people are working remotely, or many people are, you know, presumably on 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 furlough, and mm-hmm. and, and you know, getting starting to feel remote. How, how do how do you maintain that culture?
0: Well, it is tough. I mean, but it is, it, it's is—it's tough uh, because we're remote and we've had to make some really tough decisions with furloughs and terminations and right sizing, downsizing, whatever you want to say of the business. And it's hard to keep culture strong and morale up during um, challenging times like that. Um, but you, but right now it's, it, it's a little bit easier for us because we have great people, but it's the people that grew up in the business. What will become challenging for us is if we have to recruit in this environment. So we have people, and the people that we have in the business, and because we've had to downsize, and 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 some people have had to, um, we've had to, you know, um, furlough a lot of our, our or terminate a lot of our people. The people that are left are the best of the best. I mean, they're the best of our best people, um, and you know, so the culture is very strong because they are some of the most you know connected uh, people to to our company and our culture. What will become a challenge as we kind of bounce back is um if we have to stay remotely is trying to bring new people on and onboard new people remotely that we find that to be a challenge we've had our first few over the last couple of months where we've we've actually hired people that have um uh, that weren't working at the company uh, pre-pandemic and it's, we find it very very difficult because they never really get a feel for the culture remotely and we haven't figured that out yet how how if this is ex- if this extends any further, Um, how we're going to onboard people into our culture. But it's pretty strong right now with the people that we have and everyone fighting kind of through through this hibernation period Um, because, you know, the people that we have are fantastic and, you know, we're doing amazing work. Actually, some of the best work we've ever done, um, but we're all remote.
1: Speaking just speaking of culture a little bit more uh, you were the person who introduced me to Tony Shea figuratively the, the the work of Tony Shea the founder of Zappos mm-hmm. who uh, really was one of the first of the new generation of entrepreneurs in the United States to to prioritize culture and as his book title said uh, delivering happiness and mm-hmm. and and you know a, a totally different approach uh, to business um, you were acquainted with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he passed away recently at the end of, towards the end of 2020 in tragic circumstances. But he was an inspiration to you. I'm just wondering, um, you know, what was, it, what was the philosophy that he had that touched you? And how did you try and, and carry that out?
0: Uh, well, Tony and I uh, went back a long way. And I was trying to uh, look back. And it was when we met in 2006 because um, we were both in Entrepreneur Magazine in the U.S. On, on opposing pages, which was highly unusual to have two Asians on two spreadsheets in the entrepreneur section in 2006. And we both looked like kids, because uh, <laughs> we both looked like we were 12 years old, because we both have those Asian genes. And um, and But we he was in his 20s, actually. I was in my late 30s. I was about 10 years older than him. Um, and we met during that time. And we both had very, very similar views about culture and service. So I, um, like he believed in customer service, but I was selling uh, a service. Like I was selling a service with tours is, is basically a service to our customers. Um. So he I, I, he inspired me about um, the customer service um, in terms of booking trips, because I was really worried about, you know, um, how we were going to be able to export services and sell services. And he inspired me uh, in terms of how you connect with customers um, very differently because our customers were also very different because our customers at the time were travel agents and not directly with the with the consumer. So you know, taking some of those philosophies that he had and that we shared, um, you know, in our early conversations, um, you know, which is what really connected us. And he went on to uh, write Delivering Happiness, and it inspired me to write Loop Tail actually. Um, going you know around the same time and you know we 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 both kind of shared that same view on in terms of customer being king now our customers varied very differently um and then um the internal culture part you know i believed it was a inter- culture was in a, in a in a in a very important part of our brand so we promoted our culture to our customers so our customers which are tra- more of a, a b2b customer would relate to our business as a beyond travel, like transcending our business and relating to our business um, in an in a intrinsic way that transcended the product. Now he had direct access to his customers, so his culture wasn't a, at the forefront of, the, um, of the, the sales proposition to the customer necessarily, um, but it was important for him to drive his customers, or, or sorry, his employees to deliver an amazing customer service. So we had diff- different views slightly but the same kind of strong views about creating, having fun at work, creating amazing places for people to come to work, um, you know, really priding yourself, you know, I always say that, you know, that my assets of my business, you know, leave every day at the end, at, you know, five o'clock, they walk out the door, and I want them to run to work. And, sure. and, you know, we both, I don't want people walking to work in the morning, I want them so excited that they really, you know, want to come to work. And he shared those same kind of philosophies. And, you know we we and and we took different paths um, in our businesses because he ended up selling to Amazon I think in 2009 or 2010 around then and and Luke's tale for me didn't come out till 2013 so so yeah so it was it was a very you know it was devastating when I heard the news about um, Tony and you know and, and the tragic circumstances surrounding his death um, especially because we you know we used to talk about going on a trip together to do antarctica he knew i I had a new ship down there that i wanted to go to go visit and take a trip in antarctica and he always he was telling me like when you go tell me because i want to go with you because he he was quite an adventurer as well he took a couple of our trips and climbed kilimanjaro could climb kilimanjaro and did stuff like that um but yeah it was it was tragic it was such a loss and had me in a fog actually for quite a few days and actually I over the course of a weekend, I rethought everything that I'm going to do outside on the other side of this pandemic again, in terms of doubling down on culture and people, and you know, and all of our philosophies of where we come from, and it it, it so inspired me again. So he's
1: still inspiring you. That that that, that Oh yeah, that's oh, yeah. very he cool. Really,
0: yeah, he really he really was uh, quietly inspiring because as I said when we when we spoke, it was always like old friends, but you know, we never. Um, cause, because we're both entrepreneurs you know, we don't, we didn't, we talk about it as, you know, as a teacher student kind of relationship. Um, but when I thought, because I was forced to kind of, you know, think back because of this tragic circumstances and thinking back, I realized how much, you know, th- he did inspire me. I didn't, I don't, you don't think of it in, in, at the time when you're, you know, when you're, um, you know, when you're having a conversation with him about, about, about different things. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. One
1: of the things that uh, you did early on was you you I mean you always obviously had a social vision for your business and then you founded Planeterra which you mentioned earlier which is your foundation for giving back to the communities that you serve. Mm-hmm. What 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 can you tell me about that experience of of of, of setting up a foundation, you now have sort of a second business unit <laughs> that, that, mm-hmm. that, that, that needs to be looked after.
0: Um that has, that has way more restrictions, <laughs> way more regulations, and it's not profitable. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that
1: yeah, exactly. So 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 how is Planetara doing and what are some of the accomplishments that 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 you'd like to tell me about?
0: Well Planetara is a, a very important part of our model, especially as we've kind of converted from, you know, we uh, you know we never really identified with responsible or sustainable tourism I and mean, we early on we wanted to carve out our own niche so you know you know like back in 2008 we pioneered the whole idea of social enterprise i know social enterprise is much more common now but we were talking you know we kind of walked away from the sustainable responsible ecotourism definitions um like you know, a long time ago and wanted to redefine social enterprise. And Planetara was an instrumental vehicle in us being able to do that by creating community projects when extreme poverty intersect with, uh, intersected with tourism, we could create um, a community project or a tourism experience with our customers um, that, you know, that alleviated poverty or lifted people out of poverty or created wealth distribution. And that really was the key to our business. And so we have a, you know, so Planetair has like 100 projects. We did Project 100, which is just being completed now, um, with 100 community projects around the world. Uh, we've also done projects. What, sorry, with,
1: what was the time frame for 100 community projects around the world?
0: Well, we had done 25, we had done 50 um, um, by 2015. And so we did 50 in five years. Wow. Was actually 75 new ones. So we actually have done, because 25 of them were not, Social enterprise businesses. Twenty, twenty-five of them were related to disaster relief, or they were specific things like uh, eye camps in Tibet, but weren't or or, you know supplying medicines and uh, medical supplies to rural medical stations in Bolivia. But they weren't ongoing community projects. So it was, it was we. So we basically did one hundred and twenty. We did an additional seventy-five in five years. That's amazing. So when, when we hit our twentieth anniversary. 25th anniversary we put in um first um uh, 50 and 5 and then that we did that in three years and then we launched project 100 that was completed is to be completed um and was completed at the end of this uh, last year wow Mm -hmm. and and they're and they're really community projects right like i mean there's i give you some example of some of them anything from Mm -hmm. You know, our Women on Wheels program where we in, in India, where we work with women who are in shelters or single mothers that um, are in, um, in, um, in slums of India, where we can give them 18-month training programs, and, and they learn English, and they get a driver's license, and then we give them a car. And they su- do all of our arrival transfers when you come into India. Uh, the Parwa Restaurant, which we did with the IDB, Um, in the Sacred Valley in Peru, where there's thousands, hundreds of thousands of people go to Machu Picchu. But we created this training kitchen and restaurant um, experience that in the Sacred Valley, which had zero employment for women, and created a restaurant where all of our passengers go for meals on the way to Machu Picchu. And we put over 20,000 people go there for meals every year. And it supported the entire Sacred Valley and communities. And it was a training kitchen which employed the youth, which had, you know, which we had 100% employment on the other side. Where they got jobs um, and, and and rotated youth through the project, so we have lots of different projects like that.
1: that that's that's amazing. It sounds like you're really uh, um, prioritizing projects that can become self-sustaining and ongoing. That's what I'm getting from it. Is am I right?
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's it, that's that's the main. Uh, it's it's the main uh, um, deciding factor for us being able to get involved in it. It, it can We can't be the only customer. Um, So we are obviously the founders of a lot of these projects, or we help ones that are 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 uh, groups that are trying to start new ones, or ones that are already in existence. But ultimately, our goal is to create form a board of directors, and you know they they run and control their own business, and then our competitors are welcome to actually come in and use those places. The Power Restaurant is probably the greatest example of that because it was funded by the IDB, and it was the first time the Inter American Development Bank and the multilateral investment fund. Which our government agencies that would for the first time work with a private sector company to build for us to build five community projects for them in Latin America. It was the first time a government agency worked with a private sector company, and it was highly controversial when we, when uh, when it happened. Um, but we proved you know how successful it could be. But the main mandate was it couldn't be just for serving G Adventures customers. It had to be able to you know support the community. Create jobs, you know, all those things that we wanted to do, you know, um, you know, lift people out of poverty. But it also had to be a business that could serve other businesses outside of GeoVentures as well.
1: So the, the the book that you mentioned, your first book, Loop Tail, the mm-hmm. uh, the subtitle is almost true, right? How one company changed the world by reinventing business. You are changing the world. I mean, one community, one uh one area one region one town one village at a time
0: yeah oh yeah the impact that we have on communities i mean as as i said i've I've given you like two or three examples but we have over a hundred now around the world where where the impact and and how people look at business um is completely different and how people look at tourism i mean to think that you know we created this style of travel way back in 1990, when we first started, our first community projects were in 1996, before the idea of sustainable, responsible, social enterprise, anything was even thought of. It was quite thankless at the time, actually. But the world has changed in our favor over time. And you know, we, we really feel you know we've had a, a, not only a massive impact on our business, but also many different other, other industries that look at you know, the work that we can do and the good work that we can do as a for-profit business. Right. which is becoming more and more common.
1: Mm-hmm. I think one of the, the the hopes that you had was that your passengers your your, your your traveler community would fund or support planetara has has that happened are are they the yeah. the, the, the the rocket fuel behind planetara
0: uh, they do I mean we have many ways in which we we fundraise I mean our customers do, um especially when they visit you know on on our tours you you visit you can visit multiple planetara projects depending on the programs you take with us and people do come back and want to donate to very specific projects um, we offer dollar per day programs we ask people when they book with us if they'll donate one dollar per day for projects in the region uh we have you know we have all and we have different ways in which we uh we do different programs we did a in during the, the isolation period last year we also did a, a walk to, to, um, to uh, Everest Base Camp doing steps with teams and groups. We had thousands of people kind of form teams and do um, steps um, to, in the same steps to do um, uh, Kilimanjaro in Africa. So we have ways in which we're gauging, we fundraise. Um, G Adventure is obviously a, a big supporter of a lot of all of the administrative costs of planetary coverage, so all donations are 100% go on the ground. Because um, no donations ever pay any administrative costs, and we promise that to our customers as well. So it works. There's this. There's, there's and it's growing. I mean, we have lots of ideas for Planetera. now that we've just, com- you know, completed uh, Project One Hundred. You know, which was a five-year kind of uh, window of time for us. Uh, we have huge plans uh, for where we're going to go, and the opportunities um, after you know on the other side of this pandemic are 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 enormous for us.
1: Bruce, as you as you're ramping up. Uh, G Adventures again for the post-COVID world. It, it, it's a bit like being a startup, I think, all over again.
0: Yeah, it totally is. I mean, a 30-year-old startup, and that—that that in itself has been the challenge and the most exciting part of um, this global pandemic. So, you no, know, the, the 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 exciting part is, you know, we get to restart the business on the other side of of COVID, and with as as completely as a startup, and get to rebuild with 30 years of knowledge. It's super exciting. Uh, if we can can, you know we can redo everything that we ever thought um, we wanted to do but had grown too big to be able to pivot as quickly and you know um, but now we get to rethink everything with 30 years of experience so there's a lot of excitement around that and what we can potentially be because you know when you have a company that's 30 years old and you have problems or you grow as fast as we have and continue to grow double-digit growth for 30 years you constantly put you know band-aids on problems and or you throw people <laughs> through or throw people and resources at problems or and you eventually have a bit of a bloated infrastructure that you can't pivot or move quickly so you know so now that we've kind of have the opportunity to restart and rethink everything it's a it's an amazing opportunity and we're super excited about you know what we can be as with 30 years of knowledge to to start up but the challenge has been for us is being that startup you know, dealing. You know, I've needed help for the first time after 30 years when the world shut down, and you know, we had zero revenue overnight. Um, you know, we were put in a position where we had to, you know, look at the the business community for support for the first time in you know 30 years, and it was it was shocking the lack of support that we had, um, or how difficult it was um, to work with partners and and banks and investors and partners we've you know been working with for 30 years knew our track record knew what a great company we were everyone's made tons of money off uh, off our backs off my back over the years Mm -hmm. and in our minute of need um, the difficulty and the stress and the lack of support to me was absolutely shocking and there's so much to learn there for us as a country um, because you know there's this you know as I said when I you know, go to any kind of function. There's lineups behind my um, chair with banks and investors and the EDC and BDC and all these organizations. Ah, yes.
1: yes. They all want want a piece.
0: Yeah, but they want to support you when you don't need it. And what we have to learn as a country is we have to learn how to support businesses and entrepreneurs when they actually need it. Uh, And, you know, and so I suddenly, after 30 years, I'm in a time of need and I need support and some help to get through a rough patch um, and whether it's refinancing or whether it's, it's uh, you know, um, um, working capital, whatever it is, even investment capital at this stage, because there's great opportunities for us in the, the travel industry for acquisitions or all of this stuff. The, relate, the, the, the way we were treated by, you know, banks and investors and the, 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 the long road after they, they've known our business for 30 years, like we work with all of these people, they know everything about our business and the lack of support or the, the, the conservative approach. Um, uh when we actually need the assistance, I was um, I was actually shocked, I was floored. and of course we can get yeah. through these things because we have a, a track record. we have you know I have um you know 30 years of success um so but it was so it was it's, it was such a struggle and all, you know every, you know and what entrepreneurs say all the time, especially startups, you know that you know the business community doesn't support businesses uh, when they actually mm-hmm. need the assistance, when they actually need the help. As opposed to you know um, when you don't need it which um, I, you know and i, I think that there's just so much to learn for us as a country as a startup community as well as the, the banking and business and investment community i learned a ton in just in terms of how i deal with I, I i speak with a lot of young entrepreneurs and you know and, and um, get a chance to see a lot of great cool ideas and businesses and i see the lack of support that they get and i you know i can't do much a lot of times i'm just more moral support because i don't invest in a lot of businesses like that personally but, um, but you know, I, I speak to a lot of them. And now I can see being – being um, I, I, so I'm, I'm in that startup world right now. And I can see those – Isn't that amazing? Yeah, yeah. It, it, I found it amazing. Are, are,
1: are, you know, you've been an icon of Canadian entrepreneurship. And, you know, without any irony or sarcasm, you are an icon of global entrepreneurship. And Canada is very lucky to have you. Have you been able to call any of these – Organizations out, and and do, can can you call them to account for the way that they're that 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 they're treating you?
0: Um, and what I've, do they say if you do? I've had a few um, tense meetings um, where you know I'm asking for I'm we're asking for help. It's not the time. I mean, it's not the time to kind of talk about that. I mean, there certainly will come a time. Um, you know, because we're still we're still in, in 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 it. We're in the middle of it right now. So we're, I'm in st- we're still in recovery mode. Um, you know, I was in survival mode though last year. Um, now we're in recovery mode, and you know, I can safely say there's, there's a recovery and we can see great opportunity in front of us. But it's, it was just that struggle, uh, that unnecessarily struggle, stress on the business, stress on my people, stress on me that was put on me unnecessarily. Uh, when we were at a, at a time, we were uh, uh, asking for assistance um, I thought was it's it's it, it you know to be honest it, it, it was it's unforgivable to be honest that after what I've done and you know the relationships I've built in in the business community um, and when we've had to um, you know and, and the support that we've lent to businesses as well uh, over the years um, and you know not even on the social enterprise side just we've, we've just done a lot i don't I, want I don't want, uh, I don't want I don't I, you know I, I don't want you know people to it, it's not bragging I'm just saying that at, the, at our time of need I was quite shocked at the um, the lack of support and how hard it was and how quickly the phone stopped ringing let's just say to offer that support um, and even our syndicates and our banks and our, our partners were so um, difficult I found difficult when they understand our business they know our business and have been partners on how we were looked at and you know shuffled off to consultants and shuffled off to various programs. Um, I just I just found it very I, and, you know and it put me back in startup mode as a business. and so I see all of those things that have happened and you know you you know I do have the op- I will have the opportunity to speak uh, about that. and I have I've had conversations with some of the uh, the highest level people that I can at the moment, um, but there'll be there'll be more. I mean, I will be, um addressing this more, I will I've I, well, I've actually um, going up as as high as Prime Minister. I'm requesting an audience with um, the Prime Minister to discuss some of these some of these issues and things that that I, that I think as a country we should we have to seriously look at. because you know, the other thing that's interesting, you know, I get paid all the time for bank, banks pay me all the time to come and speak to them, to their executives. Like I do this all year, all the time to almost every bank. Uh, Because they want to help. They want me to help them understand um, the entrepreneur. And so I've been doing this for years. And obviously I've been doing a terrible job because it it (laughs) hasn't worked because they've learned nothing from anything I've ever said. From all these times they've asked me, they've paid me to come and speak to their executives. Uh, You know, and I've spoken to all kinds of um, accounting firms, law firms, legal firms. Everyone wants to understand entrepreneurs, but it's not that hard. It really isn't that hard. It's not rocket science.
1: But uh, it's funny, I I don't want to put you on a pedestal or anything, but you've devoted years, decades to helping the communities that you serve, you know, and we've talked about it on this cast and we've barely scratched the surface. And so it must hurt you even more than it would hurt most entrepreneurs who expect to get kicked around to find that, you know, the the culture that you've been practicing that's so important to you. It's just so scarce uh, when it starts to rain. Yeah,
0: and and I've and I've always and I've always said, you know, um, it's really easy for us in Canada to invest in certain industries. There's always tons of mo- there's always tons of money for certain industries like mining and manufacturing and things that are you know really backed with assets. Um, but I mean, great ideas sometimes um, come in different forms. I mean, there's a there's a there's actually a great um, technology community now. But that took a long time to get to where we are now where we actually support some great tech technology and some tech ideas but there's a whole other generation a whole bunch of other companies out there like ours i always i've always been quite um ticked off that that um that we i'm a more more of a technology company than i than any technology company i've ever met i've got 60 (laughs) full-time developers on staff at my company that you know that that develop technology and we're more of a technology company than most technology companies but we don't get heralded um, in in the same way as you know technology companies you know do. But everyone has to be categorized and everyone has to be defined. And but great ideas don't often have definitions, um, and we have to learn that if we want to you know if we want to support those great ideas to become great businesses. And that's why you know that's why uh, uh, the U.S. does so well with promoting great ideas because it does, they don't have to be defined um, to get supported.
1: Bruce, I think we set a record for the longest Startup Canada podcast ever. So um, (laughs) I really want to thank you for uh, taking the time and for sharing these stories with us and for sharing your outrage. I'm sure (laughs) so many people share that. And it's really important to share that because there comes a point where the entrepreneurs who create wealth and value and innovation for a society shouldn't get kicked around. So um, if you want to come back and talk about that when the pain is over and the sun comes out again, well, listen, we'd be happy
0: to have you. Well, listen, thank, I, I, let me, I, I, I want to thank you for having me, but also Startup Canada for the, the great work that they do. I've been following for, for, for quite some time, and it's such an important work, supporting, inspiring startups, entrepreneurs, and ideas. We have to, we have to find ways in which we can inspire young people. To bring their ideas to the world, um, and we need vehicles like Startup Canada that support those ideas once they get to that startup phase. But even from the dream phase and idea phase, we have to find better ways in this country. Um, and and, and, and if, if there's any way I can support it, please, please call me back anytime.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate that. The tradition here is that just before we let you go, we ask you for your best piece of advice, your most actionable piece of of, of our tip that entrepreneurs could use to put to work right away and improve their business. And you've written a couple of books now on this stuff. So I guess you've got a lot, but give me your best one or two.
0: Mine is about leadership because, you know, it always starts and, and ends with great leadership and defining leadership and defining your role as a leader. Um, and, the, and, and the leadership is not a, is not a, uh, a destination. It's, it's, a, it's an ongoing transformation. And even after 30 years, I can say that my, the, the biggest challenges I've had have been cycles of leadership, you know, where you start with, and, and it's very important that, that entrepreneurs understand leadership and study leadership. It should be something that you study as much as you study and everything else in your business. Because when your leadership stalls in growth and development, your entire business starts start slowing down. Um, so whether it's like, and, and how you define it, like, you know, people that, you know, lead by example leaders that have everyone in the same room. Like I used to say, Tony Shea, actually, all of, his, all of his employees are in the same room. That's, that's the easiest job in the world. My, my <laughs> employees are in 100 countries. Um, and then there's also, you know, leading by example, where you mentor and you coach and you lead people. That's a very different type of leadership. And then, I also, and then when you inspire people, like I call it inspired leadership, and this is where I evolved to, where, you know, I've got about 50% of my employees that I'll never meet in their entire careers with me because they're all over the world. Yet I have to get them to wake up every day, achieve their potential in their lives, do great work, deliver an aggressive brand promise that we have, and love coming to work every day. And you have to inspire them without meeting them. And those types of leadership and those leadership challenges and defining your own road in a combination of those types of leadership really makes great leaders and really makes great businesses. So constantly working on yourself as an entrepreneur and as a leader is my best advice to to leaders and study it. Like read about other leaders, read about the difference between, you know, like a leader like Gandhi and a leader like Steve Jobs, a leader like Jack Welch and a leader like, you know, um, Nelson Mandela. Like they all have elements of leadership that ultimately lead people all going with different views, different values, all going in the same direction, you know, for a single purpose. Um, And that's what great leaders do.
1: That's fantastic. That, that's some of the most profound advice that I've gotten on this show. Understand leadership and study it. When your leadership stalls, your entire business starts going down. That's a quote from Bruce Boontip. And I think it's it's a, a, a real challenge for entrepreneurs with everything else they're doing to do that, but it could be the most important thing that you do. Agreed. Bruce? <laughs> Awkward pause at the end <laughs> Bruce, thank you very much Bruce, Bruce Puntip is the founder of G Adventures in Toronto the world's largest small group, small tour adventure company and uh, it's it's been a real pleasure reconnecting with you and, 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 and hearing your stories again and being inspired by everything you do for your people and for the world Thank you so much Thank you Rick Thank you for joining us this week in the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur. Stay tuned another minute to hear the latest startup community news and the upcoming events lineup, including our hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday at 12 noon Eastern time. I sometimes show up there too. Until next week, I'm your Startup Canada podcast host, Rick Spence.